winter. Hello and welcome to What We Do in the Winter. This is the 71st episode in this series of podcasts from the Isles of Mull, Iona, Alva, Gometra and Erud. I'm Alistair Satchel, I've got a cold, I live outside of Dervig in the north of Mull and I'll be your host today. I hope this finds you well and happy wherever and whenever you may be. This episode is a conversation with the wonderful Cameron Fletcher. Cameron started life off in Turloisk at Fan Moor, where he attended school at Kilninian, then progressing to Oban and into a working life that took him from Oban to Perthshire and finally back here to Mull again. A quantity surveyor to trade, Cameron now drives minibuses for local schools in his retirement. And it's in that capacity that I first properly met Cameron. And it was always such a pleasure to see him on the run whenever he was out or away. It was just, that was great. Cameron has put such a wealth of work into preparing for our chat. So thank you so much, Cameron. I'm really grateful for that. You're going to hear all sorts of tales and adventures from him, from a surprising after-school snack to a host of names from the past. Our time together was just filled with a lot of laughter. One of the things that really strikes me in this conversation is the affection with which he talks of his family and their achievements. It's so lovely to hear such affection openly shared. As a one-off, as I've been away from my desk for a bit over the summer working on converting our porter cabin into something a little bit more useful with my wife Georgia, I'm putting out two episodes today. You can find episode 72, a conversation with Anne Scott about the communities at Java Lodge and Craigenure on the podcast feed just after this one. Now, while I've got you, can I ask, could you possibly leave a star review for, or even a wee dot of text or a review about the podcast wherever you listen to it? It just really helps to improve its visibility, so thank you so much for your time on this. Right. Now, it is a great deal of pleasure that I pass you over to Cameron Fletcher. Who are you? Cameron Fletcher. And where are you from, Cameron? Uh, I'm from Mull. Fantastic. Which bit of Mull did you start off in? Uh, I was born at Fanmoor to Lushk, Um And it was, uh, the house is now called Port Ranyak. We didn't have a name for the house, uh, but it's where the, the cow family live. Oh, right. Okay. And the big mansion has just been built in our old croft. So <laughs> I was the only one of the family that was born at home. Really? Yeah. And at £12, I made a quitter. Wow! <laughs> my mother had actually bought a pram. Well, sorry, I'd ordered a pram from the co-op Dividend. Yeah. And when it arrived, the pram wouldn't go through the outside door. So she had to reorder another one, and she had to carry me around for weeks. So the Put pearls. back, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. So that's it. So... Um, that's my birth, as it were. <laughs> and who, who um, again, that's a classic question, but who are your people? Well, my father was Colin Fletcher. He was uh, born at Kroosnish down near Benesson. Went with his family to between Lahore and Kilmelford. Right. And then came back to Ulva and then went to Glengarram, where my granny and granddad died in the 30s. Ah. And then he went to... <laughs> Sorry, we've been interrupted. Whoops. <laughs> been interrupted by my lovely dog. Ripples, Wingo see call. Wingo. He, he then went to Antime, and I think that's oh. where he met my mum, because mum was 
born at Lettermoor, but very shortly thereafter they moved to Dervig and mum was at school there and I think mum was only about 21 when they got married, or 20 or 21 when they got married. So then in 39, dad was given the job as a state joiner for Tolojski State and they moved into this house, which was the joiner's house as it were, and uh, he was there for 36 years. Goodness. He retired in 75, so, uh, 1975. Gosh, that's that's a long time in one place. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so that's that's a family, uh, as it were, the... Um, yeah. And so did you have connections down to Benesson from, from childhood? We had two, uh, well, my dad's sister, when she, she moved from time to Jishig, and my uncle was the uh, shepherd on Ben Moore. And then they moved there, thereafter down to Finnefort, uh, to Jarrettforce, which is on the Contra Road. Okay. Uh, and they both died down, well, I think they moved into a house in Finnefort eventually, but they both died down there, so I think so. So that was the connection to the Rosa Mills, I think so. But my granny and granddad lived in Derby, Calgary, around to Tolojsk eventually, it's on my mum's side. My granny was 96 when she died and she was in Salon. So. Goodness <laughs> me. And was she from? Yeah, she was from Tibermory. She was a what Gillis. What was her maiden name? Yeah. Gillis. All right. And her father worked at the distillery. And I don't know whether it was the fumes or whatever, but he was blind eventually. But he was about 95 or something when he died. So there's there's good genes in you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather was from Mormon. And I don't know how he came across to He was a ploughman originally and then became a gardener. He was a gardener at Calgary Castle uh, for oh, quite a number of years before he retired. So I think so. Where did they stay at Calgary? In the wee houses just up past the phone box. Okay, yes, yeah. Two semi-detached there. The one nearest the sands was their house. I remember going there often. When it's, but they moved to Norman's Rue at Tolojsk in 57, and it was two houses originally, yeah. and Dad converted it into one house. As the joiner? As the joiner. <laughs> so they moved in there in 57, and my grandfather died in 71, and there, shortly thereafter, my granny moved to Salon to Bintala Crescent. So... Norman's Rue is a very interesting uh, place as well. Do you know the Do you know the story behind? Yeah, it was out in Africa. It, it was a, it was a legacy from a chap that was tortured out in in Africa, apparently. Really? Yeah. Well, that's what they've told me. But and also where Gremlin stays is the same uh, house types. I think. Well, yeah, very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Because I'd, I'd heard it was someone called Norman who died in the cold. Oh, right. As well, but no, that that's right. So was that someone who was in the Boer Wars or something? Like I don't that? know what happened, but apparently his family gave money to build this, these houses. To the, that's what my dad used to tell us anyway. Well, the, that would be correct, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so um, you've got a series of notes in front of you. I can yeah. you've put a lot into this. Thank you very much. <laughs> where where did your, where do your memories take you first? What, 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 where do you want to go first in your memories? Well, I went, I went to, when I was five, I went to... Fanmore Public School, that was the proper name for it, and that was at Cornelian. Oh, it's such a beautiful building, that. Yes. I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we walked close on three miles each way every day, rain, hail, or shine. And we also, uh, I, when it came to going to high school, I was given a prize for 
six years perfect attendance at the primary school. Which fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, but we we didn't think anything of it and sort of tidbits from that. Sometimes we felt we didn't get enough at the school lunches, so we would uh, myself and Archie Simpson oh. would leap over the fence and nick a turnip. <laughs> <laughs> break it on the stone and eat it raw. Oh no! <laughs> raw turnip for a snack? Yeah, uh, on oh. the way home. <laughs> and then other, other times, in, especially in the summer, we'd take a shortcut through. There was a garden next to Tarajki's house, uh, and it was an old guy, McLean, that was a gardener. And he, if we went through, he would give us the old tomato or uh, grapes. He had, had a vine, wow. valerie as well. So. Wow. Uh, but it was a smashing garden that had gooseberries, raspberries, um, blackberries, the lot, you know, it was amazing. Mm. Uh, so that was, we, um, another thing at primary school was we attended the drama festival at Tullamore every year yes. and it was on for a whole week then. Yeah. And if you got, if you were, got first prize, you had to go uh, play it again on Friday night, you see, over on Monday, etc. But one night when we were coming back, it must have been about 1958 or thereby, we were coming back with the school teacher and she had just bought a Ford Thames van, one of the top heavies, if you remember. The, um, and we were coming up to the sharp corner just above Alice when a, a rabbit ran across the road and over the van went. It coped. Coped. With us all in the back, no seatbelts, obviously. Gee, these days, was. And the props. Oh, James. <laughs> and we crawled out the back and... I don't know who, somebody ran down to the forestry offices, the forestry houses, should I say, yeah. and uh, got a man up. Uh, it could have been Ian Campbell's dad. I don't know who it was. But anyway, they took us down to the house and gave us a cup of tea beside the coal fire. It was the winter as well as March. Yeah. And we, we, we were frightened. We didn't want to go back. Into the, once they righted the van, we didn't want to go back in. Of course not. So they, they ran us back to home. So that, But if you're thinking now, it's what a carry on it would have been with health and safety. If it, oh, that teacher would be <laughs> struck off. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, it was, uh, so that was... Uh, no, happy to, I think myself and Bunty McKeever oh, um, are the only... As far as we know, we're only two survivors of the first drama fair that participated in the first. Because when it was 50 years old in 2016, acknowledged that we, we were there that night and he said that myself and Bunty were the only Gosh. people from the original setup as well. So it's, That's quite something. Yeah, so that was. Um, uh, and do you remember any of the lines from any of the plays? No, I remember being a sheriff in one of the plays. <laughs> <laughs> and we also had a McNamara's band where we played, somebody had a wee accordion, somebody had a pipes, and somebody had a, I think I had a triangle. <laughs> but uh, uh, but it was great fun. It was you practice for a long time. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And who, who were your teachers when you were at Kinlinian? There was various, we had a Mrs. McNeely, um, uh, Mrs. Smith, you probably heard of Fonte, yeah, Mrs. Yeah. Mother. Ah, that right. was the latter one we had. But we also had a lady called Mrs. Uh, Miss Hargraves, and she was really, really strict, and in fact, really too strict. And she used to belt you for absolutely nothing. I don't remember too much about it, but uh, a lot of the people, uh, a lot of like Chrissy's uh, McDonald, when she was alive, yeah. was telling me that my hands would be raw with the. Uh, but, after a few months, I think, 
the the parents petitioned the county council to get rid of her, and that was done. So I think so. It was that's good. That's very yeah. good because very often these characters would linger and linger. Absolutely, yes. Uh, so we, uh, that was the, the the teachers there, but it was twelve in the school when I was there. Can you remember remember them all? Who were they? Uh, there was myself and Fiona. That was my younger sister. That she died in. 1999, my brain tumor. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, there was two McKinnons, that's Margaret McKinnon at the Square's nieces. Ah, gosh. They came from the other way, from Toastry. There was three Simpsons, Chrissy, Archie and Lachie. They're all dead now as well. Uh, there was John Dixon from where Dalma Clare is now. There was a, another two, I'm talking about Christine and Catherine. They were what they called homers. You probably heard of that. They came and stayed with the, the Dixon, you know, something. Right. Um, uh, and Mary McLaughlin at Brennan was just starting when I had a year, I think, with her. So I think, yeah, I'm trying to think. Do, uh, there was Donald McLean from the top of the village at uh, Lodge, And there was Alice Semple, who just died as well. She was the manager's daughter so that was but we just kind of picked up kids as we went down the road you know homers just for the listener and also for myself just to make sure but what were homers again it was people that were um the the, the families adopted them oh, cool. maybe through poverty or Aye. breakups and marriages yeah. or whatever something and they and they and they lived you know it was quite very common in tyree and south east as well apparently so nice yep yeah that's brilliant. So that gives, yeah, that gives us a very clear picture of, of Kildinian. Well, actually, one thing, could you describe what did it, what did it smell like in there? What was there any smells particularly that that take you right back? Any kind of feel of like what was the wood of the the floor, of the doors? Like, could you describe the space for us? Uh, no, I didn't think there was any. When you're talking about smells, uh, the smells that I always remember is that uh, my father had a workshop at Tolosky State where he made the windows and doors oh, and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's, I still love that smell. When I when I worked in Edinburgh and we go to joiners for quotations, etc. I used to love going in there. And of course, when dad was making the stuff, when I was a toddler, I'd be playing in the sawdust and using putty as plasticine. Oh. <laughs> so that's, that's the kind of smells I recall from. That's fantastic. I think, <laughs> I think the worst smell I recall from the farm is cleaning out the hen house. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, ammonia tastic. <laughs> the buyer was nothing, you know. It was, it was fine. It was. Uh, where was his workshop? Was his workshop in the square? Yes, yeah, just round the corner of her Margaret houses. Aye, yeah. Okay. Uh, he also had a bench in in our in the barn next to the house, where he actually built a boat. Goodness me! So. What was the story with the boat? Where did it go? What did he do with it? I don't know what happened to it eventually, but he built it in the late 50s. He got a gunnel and um, what else? There was two bits of the boat that he got, and then he he, he, he cut all the boards, clinkered uh, uh, copper nails, and the straps that go, the rounded straps, uh, he used to bend in the, ba in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> steam them in the bath and then take them out. But it was a lovely boat. I mean, wow. I, we went fishing in it two or three times a, a week in the summer, and it's a 13-footer. And he, um, there was actually a picture on Malfour's past and present of it, Dad standing in it and said, build the boat, but it was uh, incredible. <laughs> Being in that part of the island, 
so close to the coast. And where was the main port that you used? Was it Port Rannoch? Port Rannoch, yes. Oh. Dad and Neil McCottle, um, Angus's father, uh, they did lobsters every night. So, I mean, Dad worked incredibly hard. I mean, he was away at 8 o'clock in the morning, home at lunchtime for an hour, 6 o'clock home, half past six down to lobsters, and then so to bed, you know, something it was... Yeah. And in the midst of that, we were probably one of the first to do uh, the self-catering because oh. in 56, Dad converted the loft above the bile into a house, into a flat, and we moved in there in... Um, sometime in May and we didn't go back till September and we let the house out and the same people more or less came every year That's brilliant. and some of them had cars but some of them actually stayed for a month without a car it was incredible oh, there's so much to see over there and just yes. explore and yeah, yeah. all the, the old broch at the top as well and mm. the, the, the other broch down below at Ballygown and all this yeah, yeah, so yeah. so much mm -hmm. and the connection to the water then before we were recording we, you mentioned about travelling over to Gomatra. Yeah. What was the connection there? Well, I don't know. Mum and Dad obviously knew the McFarlands for a long time. And as I said, what we used to do was we'd go down to Petronia, go in the boat, and then Dad would row across to, to the bridge at Gomatra uh, and berth it there, and then go down and have an afternoon tea with the McFarlands and come back and do the same on the way back. Um, he, um, he was quite, quite a guy. Well, he actually, um, yeah, that was, uh, but I say, Dad, as far as Alva was concerned, he knew Alva back to front because he left school at 14 and became a rabbit catcher for a year. Whoa. Uh, and so he knew every hillock and thing. Wow. And he, um, then he became a joiner that after that, that's how he, but he, uh, when we were at Alistair White's lecture last year. Yes. He was uh, saying that they didn't have anyone alive now that could tell all the place names. But it was, he said, on a, on Total Dokus, the School of Scottish Studies, we have a lot of information from Colin Fletcher and his sons here tonight. So it was, it was, uh, but, uh, we haven't heard Alistair's latest on that yet so far. So. I was going to tell you just a wee bit about Turloish when I was there. The, yeah. There was no electricity, obviously. No, no. No, uh, there was no uh, sanitary in the houses. Oh, really? It was all just a tap at the end of the house or a, a lead into the thing. We were very fortunate, again, because Dad was in China, that we had a toilet and a bath. And, but we, ourselves and the estate manager were the only people that had that. So it was, it, it, for some of the older people, it was really in the winter that primitive, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, what I was going to say, the entertainment, legendary, uh, the, the village hall, the Torloys Hall. Yes, was it had a great best. reputation yeah. for the spring of the floor. Yes, yeah. And again but, and again, I've heard this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the memories I have of it is sitting on the stage beside Bobby McLeod with the smoke. Stinging your eyes, <laughs> the tele lamps. They had three sort of tele lamps oh, down the hall. Of course. Uh, but uh, and then we had the um, Highland Islands Film Guild came. Uh, it came to the school once a month, and it came to the hall every two weeks. Oh. But the wee chap that ran it was a chap called Johnny Lackey. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was Chrissy McDonald's uncle. All oh, right. Okay. And uh, but uh, Johnny was apt, uh, I think, to take a wee jillock. Uh, from time to time, yes. but one at that time in the fifties, 
the Queen ever was very loyal to the Queen and it showed the Queen at the end of, you know, when it was a movie, the last wow. thing before you stood up, everybody had to stand up for the Queen. But one night, Johnny got things wrong and the Queen appeared upside down. <laughs> and all you heard from the back was, Oh, hell. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's great. Um, what films do you remember seeing? Uh, Lassie. Lassie, come home. Yes. yes yeah. uh, one of the, f I think it was Jeannie McCall was crying that night. Which, oh, yeah, Because they were so fond of the, the animals. Yeah. And Jordy. Oh, wow. Bill Travers. Yes. Yeah. It was in 1957, that was, yeah. um, we thought it was, it was, it was I, I do remember that because, uh, we went to uh, the previous night. We went to Jordan. The next day, we we, went, we hadn't been. I don't think I'd been before to the Open Games, and we travelled across and um, to that. So that's so, how. But yeah, the, Jordan was a great film. It was uh, amazing. I've got. I've never seen. It. I've seen uh, the the Bridal Path. I think it's called. Yes. Yeah. That was. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, that was late. I think Bridal Path was late towards the end of the fifties. Yeah, 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 yeah. And drink of bright water. Oh God. Oh, why would you torture yourself with that? <laughs> oh. I was going to tell you about some of the characters at Tolosco. You know. I would love that. Um, the first one was an old lady called Floran McLean. Oh, yeah. She um, lived with her brother who had his, lost his leg in the First World War, I think, at the Battle of the Somme. Good God. He had a tin leg. Whoa. And he, but she hadn't rarely travelled from Mull. I think she'd been a maid in her younger days in Gometra. But she was a wee woman with a sort of floral apron and wellies. A penny. A penny, that's right. Uh, but uh, the story is told that when she first, her sister, she used to go through to her sisters maybe once a year in Glasgow, but the, uh, her sister managed to persuade her to go to the hairdresser in Glasgow. But Flora had never been to a hairdresser before, and she was fine until they put the metal, remember they used to put a, a dryer right across yeah, your yeah, head? Yeah, yeah. Flora was absolutely terrified, pulled the thing off and ran down the street. <laughs> I think the classic I always remember about her was that in the early 60s, the um, Profumo scandal. Oh, I connected uh, to here, of course. Yeah. Mandy Rice Davis and um, Christine Keeler. Yep. And the old buttocks were talking, with a ram, they were talking about uh, all this and the call girls. And of course, Flora was making tea, etc. And she didn't, um, she was only picking up wee snippets here and there. So she came through and said, uh, to, for her tuppence while well, she says, oh, maybe they weren't from Call at all. Maybe they were from Tyree. <laughs> That's very fine. <laughs> um, Rumours about Tyree girls are not true. <laughs> uh, at the, at the, the last week story I remember <laughs> about was, uh, she, she obviously... Didn't understand. She she dealt with J D Williams in Manchester, which is for her clothes, etc. Now to to Flora Manchester, which is a wee place like Tivermore, she didn't understand which. But there was a, on the we had the travelling vans every day for, and there was this new chap came and somebody said to her, "Oh, he's from Manchester." So Flora, the first thing she said with it even ordered a loaf. She said to him. Oh, you'll know J.D. Williams, but he, he didn't want to hurt her feelings. Oh, so he said, I know him very well. Oh, lovely. <laughs> That's very kind. That was it. But uh, the other character, she was Mrs. Allen, they called but she was a Mrs. McLean as well. She was um, a relation of Flores, but I don't know how close they were. But she was a housekeeper at the Tolosh House. Oh. 
so she was there like summer and winter. Uh, my mother used to cook for the gentry when they came for the, uh, uh, but but uh, Mrs. Allen was obviously there and used to her own company. So my mother was saying she was the only person she's ever heard that spoke to herself and answered herself. Because <laughs> she would say, I, I told them that, I'm, a, I'm right, I'm a diagnosis. And so she, it was the way that she had it. So much on her own, yeah. Yes. I, so. And the last one I was going to say was Angus McCall's dad, Neil, old Neil. He was a real uh, character. I was, I was uh, saying to Georgia in, in last week, uh, we were talking about funerals and that. And uh, of course, in, in, in the 50s, the only time they got was New Year or a funeral or a wedding, access to a dram or two. But anyway, the old lady, Mrs. McLucas, or I don't think she was a missus, she died at the post office at Talosh and they were at the big funeral because it was probably going to the Bell of Roy thereafter or whatever. So Dad met old Neil the next day and he said, you know, Colin, he says, that was the best funeral I've been at for a long time. <laughs> because of the of course the whiskey he was getting, but um, he um, you can always judge a funeral by the sausage yes, rolls. Yes, so these were the sort of characters that were in the Aye. in the village. But that's uh, fantastic! It's amazing. I so oh. I was telling my son recently about the the conditions they lived in, and he couldn't believe it. You know, some of the, some of the families were just uh, amazing. You know, it's just uh, it, it, it's uh, all changed now. You know, so. In our family in Collinsy, the um the boys were in the buyer outside. Yeah, uh, very often there was and they were there. I don't I don't know if in the winter, but I presume so as well. And because mm. there was just so many of them, and there was just a small house. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah when you, the big family, so maybe eight in a family, and you wonder where they were, they were putting them all. So, oh. so that was it. But um, what I went on to uh, sort of draft on was the after leaving Fanbore Public School was twelve. I went to Oban High School. Yes. With 1,200. <laughs> and I stayed in the school hostel. And can you tell me the names of all the 1,200? Kilbowie. Kilbowie, yes. The old building, 36 was there. In fact, I was speaking to Ian Morrison this yes. morning. Yes. And uh, Dr. Surgery, and he was t we were talking about it. And I was saying to him, funny enough, he was talking about a chap, Al Livingston from Lochala and Corky, they called him. Oh, yes. uh, and I was saying that's the person that kind of planted in my head the career I was I followed because he he I think he was looking obviously for himself and he had sent away to the RSS, the Royal Institutional Chart of Surveyors, to get information on quantity surveying. Uh, so he brought it back and I, he let me have a look at it and I said, oh, this is quite good, you know, blah, 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 blah. And anyway, uh, when I was on the 12th of December, 1965, I was standing outside Oban Railway Station when a reporter for one of the local papers had just passed his test, but just bought a big Bentley. Oh, my goodness. And he used to roll down to the station at Oban. I don't know if you remember the old station at Oban. But anyway, I was standing reading my Sunday paper, and everything would just stop right about three feet in front of you, but he didn't stop and rammed us against the wall. And I was taken up to the West Highland Hospital and with a fractured femur, and it was there for three months. Oh my God! I more than three months. March, the middle of December to the first of April. Oh my God! So you had Christmas in hospital. Yeah, I and then re rehab after that. Um, so you had to learn to walk again. 
Yes, and in fact, there was a seaman, that was 66, and there was a seaman's strike was on, so there was no Carmack boats, and when I was going down for, I had to get down to Glasgow for physiotherapy at Western Infirmary, and when I recall one time having to get the bus to Grass Point, and then go with the crutches into Mrs Spencer's boat, you probably heard about. The Island Lass. The Island Lass, yeah. yes, correct, and across and down to Glasgow. Because it was December, I'd actually uh, learned most of higher science by then. So the director and the deputy brought up stuff to us so that I could polish up on it. And I sat the higher science in, in me and passed. Hey. <laughs> so, and then I went back for a sixth year once I'd recovered, you know. For that, uh, but when I was in the hospital, uh, there was a chap called Harry Petty who was getting his appendix removed and... He had, his wife worked with my older sister at the Open Times and he'd heard that I was quite interested in quite surveying. So he said, um, if you're still, want, he says, come down to the office one day, I'll tell the boss. So I came down one day from school and I was on just minutes in the office with the guy. He just said, Harry says, you're a good lad, blah, blah, blah. If you get the two hires in sixth year, you start the 1st of August 1967, and that was it. Oh, my So it's amazing. That the, uh, so it was funny how the connections... That's got, fabulous. Yeah, it went from one to the other. You know, something, so uh, so um, that was the the uh, school hostel. Uh, so, There's so many things, but I was saying to somebody recently, Ruth next door, Ruth Fleming, about the, that she had been taking a party down to Kerr. Mm. I was saying that we had two cavemen on the way down to the hostel, uh, old Jimmy and, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the other chap, but they lived like, Jimmy lived nearer uh, facing Oban and the other chap lived looking out to Kerr, but uh, they were... Troglodytes. Oh, absolutely. Wow. Uh, Alec McMaster was the chap that was, uh, Alec had been, jilted apparently in his 20s and took to the drink okay. and he eventually was sent down to Lockilford but they still said he was sane so he used to stand in Argyle Square on a Saturday night and shout to everybody you can't prove you're sane but I've got a bit of paper here <laughs> but we would be walking lucky man <laughs> <laughs> we'd be walking back to the hostel uh, after our dance at the school or whatever because you only got the bus in to school and if you walked in the weekend it was walkies uh, so we'd be walking back pitch black because you leave, leave the, the street lights yeah. and just in in the gloom you heard what's the time boys <laughs> and this was Alec up this but we we used to sneak up when we knew he wasn't there. He just had a mud bed and pots and pans. Really? And, uh, no door or anything. No, it's just no stone, like no stone walls or anything like that. Well, know. the stone of the cave, obviously. But, but that was it. That was it. Yeah. It must have been insanely cold in the winter. Yeah. Uh, well, the other chap, Jimmy, he had been a desert rat. Okay. And he was he didn't like a house when he came back from the army, and he he worked on the pier. He had a big coat on summer and winter with a bit of binder twine around it and but he we didn't see much from him but Alec was quite a character and, uh, yeah. uh, extraordinary I didn't know that at all That's... yeah uh, there's, uh, there's still there's still the two caves there It 
was going to ask about, um, there's, often people discuss uh, the beach down from, from Terloisk. Yes. Now, I've known it as Kilninian, yep. um, but a lot of people have called it Black Sands. Now, what was it called when you were younger? Kilninian Sands. Kilninian Sands, yeah. yeah. It's actually in Garlic, it's Trinakila. Trinakila. We just do it there a few times during the, the summer. Right. We were, and I was, uh, we went to Calgary Sands for, for the sports. Yeah, it's legendary. Yeah, in 1953. Yeah. Uh, the year of the coronation. Uh, I remember going there and they actually had adult um, sports as well. Yeah. My father played the pipes and um, when we came home that night we had a big bonfire for the Queen's uh, ascension to the throne. As well. So that was um, Kalinian. Um, yeah. And do you remember, your dad obviously sang and played music a lot. And Are there any songs you particularly associate with your, your father? And obviously he's on... Well, he didn't actually sing very much. I mean, it's more later years he composed a lot of the songs uh, when he was retired or uh, he um, composed the, uh, 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 the, the Night We Dance to Dalma Clare, which is on Tupperandokas. Mm -hmm. And it, it, then when the, the, the Laird's daughter, Mary Claire Henderson, she... Um, Took over Dalma Clare, they had everybody, Bruce Cheap and oh, yeah. all these different characters, and all the villagers went to, and then Dad composed this poem with all the dancing and the music and all, and um, the last, I always remember the last verses, getting home in the early morning, I could hardly climb the stair, Mrs Semple and Mrs Simpson put me sitting in a chair, <laughs> so, so it was a good night, I had me. A fine night was had by all, oh that's great. But, um, I, um, uh, that was um, the, when you're talking about colonial science. We used to the the fank, the sheep's fank, is just above it, yes. and we that's where we did the and many ideas. Uh, I used to do the crogging, you know, taking the sheep out and turn them up because it was all hand clipping on benches. Um, and if you when you at lunchtime you go up to the square and get a bit, there was a big table in one of the outbuildings. And you got your lunch there, and if you're worked till eight o'clock at night, you got actually Margaret or Peggy or one of these would come down with a big um, uh, um, basket of scones and all that sort of stuff to keep you going. But it was happy days. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, well, Margaret's an amazing lady as well. But my mother, you were talking about Gaelic songs. My mother was a, a well-known Gaelic singer. She was a Maud Gold Medalist finalist twice. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, in I think it was eighty four and eighty eight. She was both. Uh, yeah, uh, she she uh, sang from when she was young. She I remember her telling us um, she sang by a room called Gilles in the in the Hall in nineteen forty seven. That was one of the first BBC outside broadcasts on the island unit. Uh, Gilles was a, always the a great name for dogs. Yes, for faithful. That was a lovely. Yeah, that's I right. Remember, uh, I remember dogs being called Gilas when I was wee. Well, it was a Tolosh song, anyway. Is uh, it? Yeah. Why? Well, uh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a, a, a fellow John, John McLean uh, of the Tolosh House right. that composed it. Um, some people confuse it with being an Isla song because there's Isla mentioned in it. But no, it's definitely, I mean, if, and Alan Lauren Gillis's book, I don't know if you've got it. Uh, yeah, my dad's got it, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. 
It's, the songs of Gaelic Scotland. Yes, aye. But, and Alistair White sings it quite a lot as well. He's, uh, it's a nice song. But my, my dad could, uh, he could speak Gaelic and obviously he he had a lot of words that other people didn't know, you know, sort of thing. Uh, Family words as well, it's the same. Yes, thing, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. But my mother could read, write and speak Gaelic oh, and cool. sing, obviously. But she, uh, I've still got one recording of my mother. It's on a... Hebridean band thing where it she sings well there's two bits but it sings Portobello and one and the other one is Ailan Annan Isle of Aran but that's that was done in the 70s that's only recording I've got to follow something for but uh, but Gaelic yourself did you did you have much Gaelic growing up as well no we're not, no it, it, it wasn't encouraged in these days at all we um, learned myself and my sisters learned it. Uh, from trying to find out what you were getting for your tea or what you were getting for your day. It was that all that. But you pick up an awful lot from it because my grandmother had an annoying habit of speaking to my dad in Gaelic and then she'd say, I was just saying to your father, and you knew every word she was saying anyway, you know something about so I can understand probably 80-85% of a Gaelic conversation good, but I find it difficult to I can probably speak about forty percent, forty you know of the, all uh, the good stuff. Aye, but you know, all the rude words. I do with, with doing cheering at the national board, and uh, you get to, you have to introduce the choirs, the um, judges, and all that kind of stuff, and that helps you to. But I didn't really take Gaelic seriously. I don't think until we moved to Creef. Really. Uh, so uh, I joined the Gaelic society there, and then they had lessons, and sort of picked it up from. Um, yeah, I was in my. 30s before I really got properly into it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's... I'm very conscious of it with, with Carl. Um, so he'd obviously gone through Gaelic medium education. Yeah. And um, there's not there's not all that many people to talk to about the stuff that you're interested in, in uh, Gaelic. Uh. So Sunday there, uh, we were walking along and uh, we were talking about Lord of the Rings and computer games in Gaelic uh. and trying to just kind of keep it as, as as relative to his interests as possible. Aye, so, aye. Um, yeah, so... That, the recent Gaelic partnership have, you know, st- yeah, uh, that's really uh, encouraged a lot. Uh, but uh, she, uh, Shannon's, uh, the ones she, she's done have been really good, you that's know, it's, and it's encouraging a lot of people to... The photos I'm, are looking brilliant. I need to come along. I just I keep missing it. Ah, well, I missed the last one because we were at Arborst. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I missed that. But it was at the Western Isles and Salon. So, as I say, then uh, the notes are, uh, thereafter are moving um, on to working. and Yeah. Well, that, for, so, uh, yes. Yeah. So, your working life starts straight away after school. Yeah. In Oban. Yeah. Right. And what was the name of the firm again you were with? Murrow and Brucci, Surveyor. Uh, actually, you're probably, if you drive through Oban, there's big, big letters above just where the Oban Hotel is. They're oh, on the top floor there. Okay. I mean. um, yeah, and it was 13 years there. Wow. Yeah, uh, and to learn to be a quantity surveyor, <laughs> did they go, right, how much do you think? And you go, uh, that much? They go, no, you're wrong. Or what, what, how do you, you do it? Well, the, uh, uh, quantity surveyors are really the accountants of the yeah. building industry. And what, the, the, the basis of it is that from the very start, like if you were building a cinema, for example, mm-hmm. the architect would come along with plans. Yes. So we would prepare what we call a bill of quantities. Which is uh, there are there's a book that's strict that tells you what 
the way you've got to do it, the measurements, what you've got to allow in overheads and all that, what you've got to let the contractor do so you com compile this bill of quantities. It's all done computerised now, yeah. but in my day it was books. Yeah, yeah. So you would print out four or five books, send with different contractors, and get the prices in, and then you had to report to the client on the prices and see who the lowest and that. Yeah. And we were talking earlier today about the Elamal Hotel. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was in 68, and that was in the days before calculators. <laughs> so when we received the Using tenders... Using logs and things like that. <laughs> when we received the tenders for the Elamal Hotel... We were at it from tea time till three in the morning to get to check out the tenders uh, because it was like 104 yards at three and four and Sapney. For so, goodness sake. Yes. That's, what could you get for that now? <laughs> that shed over there, that's about it. Uh, so, Gosh. And then when, wow. the, when the, the contract starts with the contractor, it... it you have uh, the the architect will um, change his mind. I don't like these windows. I like this blah blah. So then you have to evaluate that with and agree with the contractor, and then uh, you do interim payments. That means that when you every month, and then at the end of the day you do a thing called the final account, which gives a total that for we're talking about cinema would be the total for the building and that that's and the money you then paid to the. To the, the the rest of the money is then paid to the contractor. So it's but with the likes of one in Brucci, because we were rural, etc., we actually did actual surveying of land and all that stuff, uh, like your big fields or whatever, uh, East Dale Island, mm. few plans and uh, and it, you did like and valuing houses as well, you know, you know, okay. yeah. but um, so that that was it, but. On, when I was there, I worked on Isle of Mall Hotel, I worked on Dirt Castle. That must have been fascinating. Yeah, it was. It was, and because I was an apprentice, I got all the horrible little jobs to do, like measuring the skirting with the, ham, the Spanish prisoners hanging above your head, <laughs> crawling about it. And then we had the, the restaurant, which was a buyer, of course, before, and that was, um, but it was quite, not funny, but different from the fact that because it was one of the first uh, uh, jobs to be done for the gentry, as it were, mm. on the island, you were not permitted to see, and when it was getting done, you were not permitted to see where you were working. So if somebody asked you, where are you going today? Oh, I'm going to a job in Mull. Yeah. So it was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, worked in Torrissey Castle as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, it was quite interesting. It's more grand in many ways than Jewett's. Yes, yeah. yeah Baronial style, really. Yes, yeah. I, I worked in Torrissey with Moran Brooks, but also, uh, I'll go on to a minute, uh, when I left them in 1980, I went to Alexander Black Builders, and uh, he worked there as well. Um, and uh, David James and I got on pretty well together. And he said, he, he always said to Mr. Black that he liked me because I I, I didn't suffer from West Highland lethargy. <laughs> he used to sit in his big chair. And <laughs> yes, manana, <laughs> But um, um, so that was, but uh, I'm trying to think of other. What was the first one you signed off on yourself that you did the final account for and said that was, you know, that was that was your one? I, the first one I did, it was, that was a, the benefit of working in a rural situation because if you were a QS in a town, 
you'll be doing cartilages for two years before they will let you out of the site. Uh, that in these days, but probably better now. But but I was very fortunate because we were doing, you know, where Glenshilla Terrace is. Just when you look up from Lowe's, from Tesco, should I say, there's blocks of tenements, and there's two new well, two blocks that have just been re roughcasted. That they were built in '67, okay. twelve of them, at a cost of thirty-six thousand. Okay, well that, that's yeah, that's. <laughs> That's very good, <laughs> but that was that was the first uh, because it, it was not far from the office, uh, it was just around the corner. Uh, so it, the boss said to me, "You just go up whenever you want, measure what's got to be measured." And uh, I mean, I was only I was green in the year, so about two months of the job, and it was Donaldson the contractor on it, and the old guy he obviously had a good rating for rock. Because he he came with me with a tape and he said right well measure this rock son, so we measured the rock and then he, he says that's fine son I'll just leave you to do the rest yourself, so so that was it but he was quite happy as long as he got his money for his rock but uh, but I that was what the first one I had to sign off, but after that I think that we did um huge extension to the beat to the beat well it's BT telephone exchange at that time. Uh, and that was oh, literally years to get the account all sorted because there was many changes. And when it, I had to, obviously, it was the Ministry of Works down in um, Montreux Street in uh, Glasgow. And it was when the IRA were on the go and you had to go in, sign in, get to somebody to escort you up the stair. And then when you had to agreed, somebody to take you back down to the, the building again. But, that was probably the first sort of big uh, ones that I did in the. Uh, uh. It was a very specific build with all the, the tech of the time as well. The BT and now thing. you could put it in one room. Yeah, well, it's like the one. There's one in Dunoon, uh that I remember. It sort of used to loom over a car park, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jean Villa car park, I think it was. I used to look at it and you know what's in there, what's in there, and it, yeah, it's it'll probably also. Well, John, John Brown Stone, that's the built yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, it seemed like such a big building, so full of kind of glowing and flashing lights. And things, Absolutely, yes. Now it's just, I imagine it's just one oh, of the things. I, I mean, know. it was trying to sort. You know, there were so many changes on it, and of course, it had to be everything had to be exact for the government. You know, something oh, said that it was, uh, it was, it was before it was nice. They privatised it, so you know, something so. So what? What was it um, that took you away from the West Coast and took you over to Creef? Well, uh, when I left Mullumbrucci in in 1980, there was a builder, Alexander Black, you probably heard of Black's Builders, and okay. they were on the go in the 80s. And, well, he died in 2000. But um, he used to ask me to price various wee jobs for him here and there, and so I'd do that. And then I met one day in the street, and he said to me, how would you like to come and work for me full time? And I said, well, what's the conditions? And now, at that time, I was earning 5,800 in And I said, what, what, what terms are you giving me? And he said, 7,500 in a car. Done. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, That's great. It was. Yeah. Uh, so I was with him for seven years, but it was tough going. We worked seven in the morning till six at night. Oof. And we, I lived in Bendeloff then. Okay. We, we moved to Bendeloff. And I learned a lot uh, from the fact of alterations like big, what we call, I know you've heard of slappings going through walls and okay. needling and all that kind of okay. stuff, concreting stairs and all the different things that repairing even a sash case window because some, you know, if you asked a, somebody at college, 
to place for a cell. They would just play for a cell. But you have to... Correct, 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 correct. But I learned a lot from him, but I was with him for seven years, but our daughter was born in 84, and I, I wasn't seeing her at night. You know, I was coming home and blah, blah. And then the weekend, I was exhausted. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I resolved that we would get... A, even where I had to work... In the building industry, you, you, you're having to work at night anyway, you know, so people will. Uh, so I resolved that, so I applied for a job as principal building estimator with Clacken Construction in Perth. I got that job, and uh, that's when we moved from Bendela to Creef. And then. In, Creef's nice. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, the children went uh, to school there, and the oldest lad was quite bright, and we sacrificed our lives and sent them to Morrison's uh, to the private school uh, where he did very well uh, but uh, then um, we, our daughter was involved in a lot of choirs in Perth so she, when uh, we moved from Cleef to Perth in 97 okay. um, and um, she sang with the Fair City Singers and they were a group of 72 singers and they were actually in the backing choir to the cores at the Millennium. So we, we celebrated the Millennium in the Dome. Oh, gosh. With Tony Blair and the Queen. And, and Stephen Fry hosting. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Anyway, uh, it was, so uh, we uh, were 13 uh, sorry, 17 years in Perth. I, I worked for Clacken for 17 years. But in a way, it was good from the family point of view because you go home at five o'clock at night, although you were having to take stuff home with you, but at least you were seeing the kids. Yeah, and the, okay. uh, But the, uh, and then uh, Leslie started working when the, uh, Jennifer was five. She went to comedy school okay. as a secretary there. But um, so, and then, but, but we were always coming back. Uh, Leslie's family lived in Tenalt and Oban. So we're always coming back with weekends, blah, blah, blah. So in 2004, sorry, 2002, one of the guys was leaving more on Broche, and the boss said to me, how do you like his job back? Because I know you know what you like and blah, blah, blah. And I had accepted it, but it was at the time when house prices inflation was fantastic. So we got just to the point one weekend where we couldn't, we had to say one or the other, we couldn't get a house, so we had to say no. But in a way, it was a blessing because 2004, Andy Knight, it was advertising for a surreal and that I took the job and on the island itself on Oban on oh, no, right, Oban okay. uh, we right. came back to Oban in 2004 okay but uh, with being from Mull obviously worked in Mull uh, mainland jobs and Mull jobs and in 2006 we won the contract for the new the new swimming pool at King Newer and uh, at that point I agreed with Andy that I would drop the the estimating side and surveying side, and I would be the site manager on the pool. Wow. So that's, uh, I did that. I, I spent 15 months at the pool every day, wow. travelling on the ferry. Uh, I had one of these tickets that does it for a year or whatever. Come on. But uh, I enjoyed it. That was, in a, in a, in looking back, I would have liked to have done more on the site because. It was very interesting and a yeah, good, different. a good crack with the boys as well, you know. Yeah. Something. So, so, so then that's, yeah, that was. I retired from there in two thousand and thirteen, and Leslie. By that time, we were uh, looking for a house, and I started looking at when I was over in Mull. I started looking at old houses here and there, and 
eventually got, got one at Tiburwari, we're moving back and Leslie was looking for a job and uh, she she said, oh, there's a school bus, well, she said, I don't fancy the school bus thing. There was something, there was, and I said, oh, that's quite good. Once I retire, I, I'd love to do that. So I phoned up the council and they said, oh, we're always looking for a relief driver, so we'll put get your PBG and we'll, get, we'll put you through the test. And of course, I'd driven the big buses with TSL anyway. Uh, in Collins, oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, retired in February. In March, I said everything was clear. The first of June, I got a phone call saying, um, "You can uh, Richard, the ambulance driver. Now he was with uh, on the buses at that time. Yes, yeah. He uh, said he needed to be off for a week, and then there was another three weeks here at Derwig and blah blah blah. And then July, there was permanent post come up, and I got one of these, and that was me for and still I'm I'm a relief, still a relief bus driver now. Fantastic. But uh, so that was the sort of career. How did you meet Leslie? Leslie's dad was a great climber. He climbed with Hamish McInnes. Oh my goodness, the original mountain rescue yes, team. Goodness me. Um, Leslie remembers going away on a Friday night with his sack and the tin cans and yeah. and getting up to Glencoe and. So he always liked this part of the world. And then they came back one day, him, um, Leslie's dad and her brother, and said, oh, wow, I saw this place open. It's fantastic. <laughs> You'll need to come. So anyway, he they came up and looked at the thing. They thought it was great. But Leslie's dad, in full-time work, he worked for Fife and Grouthers, Ironmongers in Glasgow, on the, sell, on the sales. And he dealt with a contractor in Oban. They said, oh, we can give you a job up here. So uh, that's how he came up. But... Uh, I sort of knew, used to pass Leslie on her way to work. She, um, she worked for D&G, the people that built the pool. But uh, uh, this was obviously much later, but this would be 1975. And then we, I was at um, an SNP party one night in a house and there was music and, and they were dancing together and blah, blah, blah. So there was a curling club dance the following Friday. So I effectively went up to Leicester's door and said, I'd like to come to this uh, curling club dance. And that was it. And really, we, that was in March 76. We were engaged in August 76 and married in Paris Church in Oban in uh, 1977, October 77. So uh, that's the way it went. It was, uh, we'll be married now for 46 years. Uh, so, and so we've got three children, Graham, who's in New Zealand. He's a structural engineer. And uh, Kenneth is a, uh, what do you call it, um, computer programmer. And in fact, on, uh, well, and Jennifer is a staff nurse in the orthopaedic theatre in Perth uh, Royal. Gosh. Uh, but, I mean, when Kenneth was in school, he was dyslexic. Yes. And uh, they said, uh, some of the staff are really nasty and said, you'll never, well, Kenneth always ambition was to join the army. Mm-hmm. And he went in at 17, unless they had to sign the paper so he could, he could get in. And he fought in the Iraq War, oh, and he was in for eight years in the, with the Black Watch. Oh, but he, he he did compute in the army. He did compute before he went into the army. Uh, so, but uh, and then he came out uh, from the army, and I thought it, w- it was difficult to get a job. But he walked straight into one in, in a, a lawyer's office in Dundee. So it just shows you what... Uh, and now he travels the world. Correct. Yes, I tell, yeah. I was, you know, Fantastic. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, God, that 
That must have been the most awful thing, having a son involved in the Iraq war. I can't imagine the stress. The worst was in uh, Christmas 2004, because um, part part of the regiment, including Kenneth, were sent up to really near Baghdad. And so we used to... Uh, I used to get up at four in the morning and look at the, it was teletext then, yes. to see the UC Scotch soldier, you know, and actually there was, um, at one point there was a Kenneth and it sounded like Fletcher had been killed and I, his wife was obviously going really up the pole and actually for some, I don't know how he did it, but I got through to the Ministry of Defence mm. and then they came back and said, no, it was somebody else from another part of the government, but it really, really it was scary. Yeah, so. I can only imagine. Yeah, 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 that was an awful, awful conflict. Yes, really, just I wish it things had turned out otherwise. It's oh no, it's the loss of life. Just hello, so, dog. Hello, small dog. Um, but yeah, so there are other things you want to say as well. But you know, what what the highlight of kind of life growing up, or what was the, like what what yeah, what what were the special things growing up growing up in Turles? Hi, Ripples. Uh, well, as I said, the the the. Uh, Social life in Turlois when I was a kid was really the Christmas parties at the hall. We went yes. to Alva Ferry Christmas party as well, and that was uh, there was because there wasn't any well, limited transport in these days. We travelled in the trailer behind the tractor, and what we did was put, uh, <laughs> another dangerous road story. <laughs> put sides up on the trailer and we put tarpaulin over the top. And then you just kept, and we took about well, at least a dozen more. Uh, and we used to, uh, Archie, Paul, Archie Simpson, uh, poor guy's dead now, but at the Humpback Bridges, like the one at um, East Force, oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. we would tell the driver to so really go fast there. Yeah. And that old lady, Florani, talking about she was screaming. <laughs> but uh, they went to a ferry party, everybody was there from babies to 90-year-olds, you know, so, and you, you thought it was a lot bigger, but when you actually go now and see the size of the room, uh, it's, um, but the other... Yeah, no, we, I mean, I remember when I was working with Alva Ferry community, um, seeing you there at things as well, and it was quite, it was quite fascinating because it was so, you know, it was lovely to have community coming in and out of that building, it was just, Aye. that's something they've kept going very strongly in that school as well, it's which good, is we used to go to the, like um, when I was a kid as well. We used to go to the dances at Salon, Dervig, Mornish, uh, and Tolosk. Mm. Um, and uh, but my dad was telling us a, a funny story of during the war, uh, uh, him and mum and uh, mum's sister uh, used to hire this chap Johnny Black from Ulverferry to take them across to Mornish. And Johnny had a Model T Ford, oh, wow. and he would take them over to Mornish, but on the way back, he would stop at the bottom of the hill and say to them, now you know fine, this car won't go up with all you folks, and it's, it's walkies. <laughs> so they, they, they were hiring. To... <laughs> so it's, uh... That's a cunning investment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, funny enough, the Vela scan connection, the, um, there was a guy, a friend of dad's from primary school, Robbie Campbell. He lived at Ballygown. Mm -hmm. You probably heard of him as well. Uh, he was he was a doctor down in Blythe, but when he came home to Mull, 
he really parted it up on that, and he would go across to Derby, and they would have a good few drams, and uh, he would drive Dad home. And then one night they were coming up to the Bell Hiscan, and Dad said, one minute we're on the road, and one minute we're on the heather. <laughs> so Robbie said, I says, well, what was that damn lorry doing there anyway? There was, there was nothing there at all, you know. So the they, famous stag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. The other thing about building Scan was that when, we were, when our kids were young, uh, my father used to tell all the wee stories about it, and apparently you've probably heard of a guy called Alan Daly in Derwig who had the shop. I don't know. Uh, his father, I believe, got married in a quarry at the top of Belchiscan because the wife wants to, or the future wife, came from Taloish and the, he came, and the minister obviously. Yeah, so Neutral territory. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that gets me about that part of the, the world as well is that um, Anne MacDonald, um, when I was first talking to her many years ago now, they've been here sort of 16, 17 years, and I think it was my first year I was talking to her about uh, over at Fanmore, and she said, yeah, the... the people knew the name of every single rock, every single bend in the road, every single field, <coughs> every lump of stones in the field, every, everything had a name, there was a feature to everything. Yes. What are the names that you remember from your youth that you think will probably disappear that people won't know? Uh, well, I think the fields, um, well, I mean, uh, the, there's a wooded area just after you pass, uh, going to Tortelosh, and it was called Lake Aguila. And then there's a the boy, the hollow of the boy must be. And then there was Akahoin, mm -hmm. the field of the dogs. Is it? I um, um, I'm trying to look. Just differently, they had a, 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 a path that was called the top walk. Then huh. that was a, a, a you got the Derby Road a wee bit, and then you can cut across mm -hmm. into the village of Tolosk itself. Um, it's like the pram walk in Aris Park. Uh, I wonder if that'll still be yeah, years to come. And then there was a, a, a Kruok, not the Kruokan at Tainalt, but there was Kruok, there's a big mountain at the top. When you come over from uh, from Derry to Tolosh, you look up towards the hill. Mm -hmm. we, we climbed it once when I was kind of. Quite boggy up there, isn't it? Is it? I think uh, so, yeah. Uh, trying to remember all the other ones that was uh, Lucky Yula. Um, it's one of the ones that when you're coming around towards um, uh, Calgary, heading towards Treshnish, uh -huh. there's Clach um, Birach there, the, the pointy stone, which yeah. is and, 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 like <laughs> I love how that runs between. You know, it's timeless because Clach Birach means literally pointy stone, uh -huh. and if you see it in English, you say, oh, that's a pointy stone. Uh, that's on the Lar of Moor. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that way. It's quite a lonely road around there. Um, I'm trying to think of was there any other. Just you had the, like the different bits of like Ballygown, Elva mm -hmm. uh, Ferry, Lagan, because mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them are uh, associated with the number of fanks you had to do as well. Because I think we had seven fanks to do between Lagan, there was one at Lagan, Kilbrennan, Ballygown, Etoloch down at the sand, at the Sands, Burg, and Riddle. Uh, and we usually did them over two weeks. Right, okay. It was hard work. For the gathering a, and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the guys, the shepherds would be out well before daylight and getting the, the you know, getting them rounded up and getting into the... And now you think it's just Ian? Yes, that's right. I, I, I was just thinking last night, 
there must be, I, I would think, probably think 12, 15 people worked on the estate when I was young, mm. and now it's just Ian. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite something. Yeah, yeah. And Claire as well, obviously. But yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the... Um, characters that's really interested me. I, I work with um, people with learning disabilities every now and again. Mm. I, I, it's one of my favourite things because I find that in terms of the creativity that it's almost unbound, the, the, the imagination and, and warmth and scale and, and, and that you can find within people with learning dif difficulties in their in their work. Um, do you remember the last Laird of Terlaisk? Yes, uh, John Sison, but you mean... Yeah. yeah. Can you tell a bit, us a little bit about him? Well, he was. Uh, I think the, um, the, the the he it must have been between fifty five and sixty, maybe later late fifties. He came. Maybe they, that was a second marriage, I think, because there was Robin Compton, uh, Mary Claire, and these ones to the first wife, and then he got married again. And then he got married again after that because he was mar he, she was a Farquharson because he was he changed his name to because that was Inver called yeah. model, but yeah I remember Joe and I because um, he he, uh, he used to come into the workshop um, every morning to see Dad and he, he would always say, "Hello Colin, how are you today?" and Dad would speak to him for a while. And, and was it Down syndrome that he had? Yes, oh, yes. Gosh. Uh, uh, gosh. But these these down syndrome, they didn't seem to. There was a short lifespan, you know. Yeah, uh, not many people made it. Must have passed their forties. I remember my my uh, auntie was quite knowledgeable, and she was saying that. And she thought, no, he was a nice guy. My mum used to speak to him a lot as well because she was cooking in the in the castle, you know, something. But uh, yeah, he was. Um, yeah, character to be celebrated. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so. Aye. Um, and is there anything else you want to? I don't think so. I'm just trying to think. Um, well, I, uh, Georgia had said to mention this uh, wee story. My, my older sister just died a month ago. Oh, I'm sorry. She, no, it's all right. No, no, she was really, it was a blessing because she had severe dementia and oh, gosh. Parkinson's. And she lived in the Trussocks. Well, they lived at Craneur for 30, 40 odd years. Brother-in-law was ambulance driver, George Campbell, you probably remember. Um, uh, he died in February and uh, so she died. But, at their funeral, they were telling a wee story. It was a humanist funeral, oh, and they were tell they tell all those wee stories. But uh, uh, Diana phoned me and asked me, her her, her daughter should say that I knew any stories. And I said to her that uh, the one I did remember was when they were in Tamarmori School, them um, sledging from, you know, when you turn the kind of sharp corner into the new school now. Yes. Yep. From there. Down the back brae. What? Yes, down the back brae, yeah. And try... Oh, that's and, the dream. And try and get up the road going up to the Western Isles. But if they didn't make that, Whoa. it was screeching round and then hit the railings or the wall that was on... Ah, you're start. into the bay. <laughs> yeah, so it was... Wow. So there was no... Um, yeah, there's no traffic obviously in these days. I mean, it was wow, Dougie McNeilage, I think he was involved, and uh, there was somebody else. I remember Dougie talking about it enough, but uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That, so, um, Duncan Brown's got the tales of the bogey races, oh, uh, and they're in the back, but that, yeah, that's my sister worked in the Bella Roy Hotel when she was young uh, at the weekends because 
really, she didn't. Because of transport these days, she couldn't get back to Tullow's. And she used to go to my grandmother's uh, a lot and stay at Calgary. Uh, and then get the bus back to Tullamore School, you know. And, and, but, um, I, was, um, I remember George was saying to tell you that wee story. <laughs> Well, I think that's all I'm going to tell you. Well, thank you. Not at all, not at all. Most kindly, that was, that was brilliant. That was great. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Cameron. I know that your words will connect with so many listeners all over the place, but I hope you're not planning on snacking on any more raw neeps anytime soon. <laughs> As I said earlier on, we've got another episode out today, episode 72, with Anne Scott of Edinburgh and Largs, who reminisces about life at Java Lodge and Craig and Ewer back in the 1950s. It's a really special episode. Anne got in contact to talk about her grandfather who was the head gardener at um, Java Lodge and I thought that's just such an interesting idea so she's given us a really wonderful wonderful uh, episode and if you're a fan of the Water Boys, Anne is the mother of Mike Scott lead of the Water Boys. Also, there's a live event coming up soon with Seamus Carey of the brilliant Reasons Why podcast and Topper, Topper Mori on October the 4th at 1930. Seamus's work looks at life and identities in Cornwall and is quite, quite brilliant. I can't recommend it strongly enough. So yeah, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, check out The Reasons Why. It's just absolutely wonderful. We're both exploring similar topics in different ways. Seamus's work is very much targeted in addressing specific questions in each of his episodes, whereas what I do with what we do in the winter is a little bit more long form in building its pictures of the issues that matter to us. I love Seamus's work, so it's a total honour to be asked to do this together. And thank you very much to Nina and Rona and Topper who've pulled this together. Seamus is currently on tour with Help, I Think I'm a Nationalist, which is coming to Mull and Danoon, amongst many other places, in October. Now, thank you very much to our monthly subscribers. It means so much to me that you've kept on supporting the project all this time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And if you're a new listener and you want to subscribe to the podcast, we'd love to have you along for the ride. Likewise, if you're inclined to leave a review, which I said earlier on, or whichever platform you use to listen to the podcast, that would help the project out immensely. If I can tempt you to make a donation to the podcast, which would be very much appreciated, you can find out more information on how to do so on our Donate tab on the What We Do in the Winter website. Thank you so much for listening, and see you next time. Take care, wherever you are. More than time, shinnake a day.